Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And we are live here for this Wednesday summer edition of the WRSU crew. This is like Jake, Alex uh, are both here with me. Guys, uh, this has been like a little too much the past two days, honestly, of summer. It's been to the point where walking outside is a, is a chore um, and staying outside is beyond a chore. So hopefully we'll get some more normal weather soon. But how, how are you guys doing today? Alex, I'll go to you first. How are you doing? How are you? Uh, how are you doing this Wednesday? I'm great, partner. Look, it's sunny. It's hot. It's also hot here on Long Island. But it's a nice job to chill down, to cool down, to relax, to put on some AC, to talk on the crew, and to listen to the crew on 88.7 FM. Guys, it's so great to so great to be here, guys, with you again. Two of my favorites: the assistant sports director Dylan McCoy, and of course the GM, Mr. Jake Schmidt. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that humble introduction, Alex. Uh, all the way out in Long Island. I mean, hey, it was tough. Uh, I'm, I don't know how you're doing, but that was tough to watch the Islanders lose in the. To uh, I thought they had a chance, but they they didn't play so well against Tampa in Game Seven, and Absol- the absolutely. fact they took Canap Tampa to seven is amazing. I'm excited to watch Game Two tonight and see if Montreal, the Lays Habs, can uh, kind of take it back and tie up this series. They lost five one the other on uh, Monday night and opened their first game against Tampa, so. Uh, we'll see what happens there, but it's uh, it's brutally hot. I mean, hot is an understatement. It feels like you're walking through like the Sahara Desert or something out here, but it doesn't have that like desert humidity. It's just that that good old Jersey like heat wave heat wave that we're experiencing. I mean, I probably filled up my water bottle like nine times today, and that's also from the gym. But still, like, I mean, you got to stay hydrated out there. I mean, it, it really is extreme heat, and staying in AC, staying indoors. I mean, that's what. Hey, I would not want to, you know call a Rutgers football game in 100-degree weather, you know, we'd be outside, but I'm not sure how much the shade would do at all, if any justice, to give us some cold air, Dylan. Yeah, I don't know. I just remember when it was cold that the heat was just, it was just not there. Yeah, it so. was, like, broken or something. It, like, they didn't have heat. Oh, it was. It was horrible. It, 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 classic RU screw, but um, it's <laughs> one or the other. You never know these days. Absolutely. We're going to start today with one of the uh, major stories in sports today. The NCAA has officially announced what they're describing as interim NIL rules. I don't see them going back on these, so. No. You know, uh, it looks like students are really going to have a chance to, uh, make money off their name and likeness. We saw Graham Mertz release uh, his trademark, his brand. He was the first person to do that. His oh, logo, he was? His oh, logo, I missed that. Was that on Twitter? His logo was kind of gross. Was that yeah. on, like, Twitter? Oh, yeah, I missed I posted that. it on his Twitter. The logo is, uh, you know, I, I what, don't know. What was it, like, his initials or something? Yeah, and it looked it looked like I've, I've seen it before. That's all I have to say. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of things with this ruling, now players can, you know, be sponsored by businesses um, they can make money off of their name. They're not doing all of this work for nothing, basically. Um, I think it's a good thing. I think you guys are college students. You guys, if you don't know athletes, you've experienced athletes, you've been around athletes, and I think that we all understand that, you know, we're not saying that they're going to make a salary, but at the same time, if Geo Baker wants to be the official sponsor of Giovanelli's on Easton Ave, that shouldn't be an issue. He no. should be allowed to do that. No, no, I think the rules give of a lot course. of leeway for that, too. I mean, the NCAA rules also um, 
you know, they're allowing athletes to profit by monetizing social media accounts. It's something we've seen Miles Johnson, Geo Baker, especially Miles Johnson with uh, with Block Dev, the account that he does, and how the the amazing that outreach he does, trying to get uh, more um, underrepresented people, uh, marginalized groups of people into STEM. So like this would benefit him as well, even though he's all the way in UCLA doing a grad program, he can still benefit from this. Um, and also, you know, teaching camps or lessons. A lot of Rutgers players do those camps. You see all those camps on uh, advertised now for baseball, wrestling, you name it. And a lot of Rutgers athletes appear to them, but they don't get paid as if they were a counselor. Now they can. It gives them that leeway for that. So it's good for Rutgers, you know. Some of these athletes can't have, you know, summer jobs either. They can't do sometimes summer internships. You couldn't even tutor exactly. someone for Exactly, money. That's what That was Miles Johnson when he t- we tweeted out, like, in February uh, before he um, he did his IBM internship in January that they couldn't, they couldn't you know, tutor like that. And that's even, like, of, like, whereas me, all three of us could, if we wanted to, tutor somebody in, let's say, like, in, uh, in broadcast writing or something. You can do that. Um, so it's definitely right. it's good to hear this as well. And also, uh, today, Rutgers Athletics announced the launch of Our Edge, which is they are going to be partnering with industry leader Open Doors, who is a huge marketing firm, a big marketing firM to assist in the management and leverage of these NL- NILs, the name, image, um, and likeness as well. And um, this is something that we know as we know, uh, Geo Baker has talked about that in one of one of his postgame pressers uh, in early in mid to late of the season this year. It's something that a lot of Rutgers athletes have been adamant about, the football team as well, and how they can profit, especially off being in, you know, Rutgers is for basketball and football and the university. They are, like, right near, in their minds, right next to New York City, you know, as opposed to, sure. like, say, um, you know, Syracuse, who's up all the way up, like, about, like, two and a half, three hours away from Buffalo. You have, like, Rutgers can profit off, you know, that kind of firm from New York. So being able to have that image for our edge, it's also going to um, – it's going to also interesting. They're going to have an educational component within this partnership. I'm just reading now on their website um, that's going to have unique courses tailored to provide instruction on contracts, trademark licensing, tax implications, and the creation of an LLC or foundation and what that does. That's really uh, insurmount. That's just so understated. The ability to know what those language and what those terminologies mean and being able to do that. You know, a lot of these athletes, you know, before you sign with an agent, that agent might be that first wave, unless you took business economics or, or like tax law or something, an undergraduate at school, that might be your first opportunity to learn about how you can profit off this. So being to use it as a teaching ground, too, is what they're saying here, what Pat Hobbs uh, was quoted with here um, as well. So Rutgers, that's a definitely a plus for Rutgers. to be. I'm sure a lot of these other firms are going to be doing that, too, with other schools. But for Rutgers to also allow in this R-Edge pro, this partnership, this program, to allow for student-athletes to learn about uh, instruction on contracts, trademark, like they're going to be doing that through college, too, now, now that the NCAA um, has done that. And also the Fair Play to New Jersey Act, you know, they saw we saw that passed in the state legislature. We saw that Geo Baker uh, testified for that. That doesn't come into effect until a couple of years down the road. So it's, um, which would obviously grant all all the New Jersey stuff, that's what California has, but California doesn't, uh, isn't the same. It's a very similar wording, but not the same bill. But nevertheless, it's, it's really it's a good day for Rutgers student-athletes, and it's great that they can also you know benefit, not just in the short run, but in the long run for financial purposes. And also, like, if you're you know going in the NFL, like, say, like, like Brendan White or, or even, like, when Sebastian Joseph Day on the Rams and he was going in the NFL for Rutgers, you know, they could have learned, if they had this partnership, they could have learned how to handle these different contracts and trademark licensing, and they really wouldn't have any problems with agents or at least uh, structural problems with this stuff at all. Big day for this Rutgers. This is just this. This is a big day for Rutgers. Absolutely, indeed. This is a big day for Rutgers. This is a historic day for college athletics altogether. And really, 
it's big, of course, for the NCAA. First of all, that Supreme Court ruling a few weeks ago definitely kickstarted this move to why we're talking about this now. But I, I, I really got to commend guys like Geo Baker, a Rutgers guy, uh, um, some other Big Ten athletes that were big on this with, with, the, with the hashtag not NCAA property movement. And if you want to go even further with New Jersey, not just Geo Baker, but Senator Cory Booker, who was a big, big advocate for this, uh, for, for this move, for this action, he and Geo Baker so, sort of teamed up to pretty much get this going. So when, when you look at sort of the pioneers or some of the main drivers when it comes to having such a ruling, such a decision, and such a topic that we're talking about right now, it dates back to New Jersey, it dates back to Rutgers, and it, it dates back to Geo Baker, of course, a, a Rutgers basketball player, but it also dates to Cory Booker, a U.S. senator from the state of New Jersey. So when you see New Jersey playing a big factor, if not the biggest factor, in such a ruling and such a topic, it really shows, you know, the relevance of Rutgers, the relevance of the state, I think, of New Jersey, and the relevance altogether of what it takes for smaller states or really, you know, athletes who think they don't have a voice to truly stand up to demand for change, to get the change they want, and really become pioneers for, for, for college athletics, for whatever it may be. This today is a pioneer type of move. And people like Geo Baker, even Cory Booker, I'll put in this conversation, they have pioneered the way for college athletes for, for several generations to come, all starting today with this great move. It's going to be official tomorrow. Tomorrow this thing will be officialized where uh, college athletes can officially profit off their name and all of that. But you have to give main credit to people like Geo Baker, some other Big Ten athletes, Cory Booker, a politician, of course, as well. You look at those folks, and they are pioneers for this, for, for this move. And really, they are pioneers for a new generation of college, college athletes that are going to be coming in, in, into play, whether playing football, basketball, soccer, lacrosse, whatever the sport is. doesn't matter what sport, doesn't matter what division it is, either one, two, or three. They are able to profit off their name and actually make a salary, not from the NCAA itself, but to have money on the side to actually make money benefit off their name, uh, it is really incredible to see. It's incredible to be seeing this going forward. And again, Geo Baker, Cory Booker, these guys, they are true pioneers for such a new movement and a new wave of college athletics. Before I pass it back on, I really have to ask this question. We've seen for several years now, of course, the big debate about whether or not they should be paid, whether or not they should be allowed to profit. Now the profit thing has been passed. When it comes to college athletes like uh, like uh, Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, or former uh, college commits that left and pretty much uh, decommitted to the res- to the respective schools, one was Michigan, I believe. In Isaiah Todd's case, they decommitted from these colleges to make a salary in the G League, what what whatever other league to to better their chances at the NBA, but also to make them sal- to make a salary and some money off their name. With this move in play, guys, what type of benefit, what type of uh, factor will this create for athletes to now be more attracted to playing at the college level? Well, Alex, to answer your question, um, you know, when I was kind of reading before, I was going off this article from The Atlantic written by Nicole Auerbach, one of the better college football writers in the country. And basically, um, like, athletes can't explicitly accept pay-for-play. You know, you can't get $100 a touchdown. You can't get... $20,000 if you sign here. It of has course. to be related to name, image, and likeness. 
And for that reason, I think that the G League is still a very viable option for the top prospects uh, in, in more senses than a monetary one, too. Like, obviously, if you go to the G League, you're probably going to make more money than you will NIL, unless you're, unless you're oh, a course. star and you, like, run your college town, which some athletes do. I'm sure Devonta Smith would have made a lot of money promoting every business in Tuscaloosa last year. But oh, definitely. Um, I think that the G League is, first of all, it, it's a complete salary, so you're making it, you know, regardless. Um, you know, you get benefits, you get all that. And, and secondly, you know, you're going up against competition that is a few levels higher than the college competition. So guys like Jonathan Kuminga, guys like Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, as you mentioned before, on that G League Ignite team, um, they're going to be a lot more ready to, you know, integrate into the uh, – pro game and I also think that with the NBA uh, removing the one and done rule and allowing guys to come out of high school I think it will become a lot more feasible for guys to just go to the G League because you know they're they're ultimately training to be in the NBA and college is kind of like it's not a sidestep because you're still developing but at the same time it's something that they can kind of do without you know what's what's the point of going for one year like you're not getting your degree in one year Mm -hmm. you're not doing anything really, you know, crazy in your class. You're barely getting through the intro classes in one year. So sure. I, I just think that the G League is a very uh, viable and a very feasible route for uh, a lot of prospects to go. So, so, so to rephrase my question a bit, how does this move make, the, make college athletics more attractive then? I think for from a college football standpoint, it makes recruiting a lot easier than it already is because now you can actually tailor marketing pitches to reflect how teams will use the name, image, and likeness. Um, I think that it's going to be something that a lot of recruits are going to have questions about. A lot of recruits now are going to be thinking in terms of colleges, not just about you know trying to win a, uh, a conference title or trying to get into a bowl game, but also how they can profit off their likeness, say, at like – at uh, Purdue or some school like that, who's like middle of the pack and that's sometimes up there in middle the Big of Ten. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, West Lafayette. But um, <laughs> it, it's, it, there's been a lot of, you know, come back and forth of schools between facilities, weight rooms, like photo edits, a lot of trying to out compete people. I mean, that was one of the reasons why Rutgers lost a stronghold, you know, under Chris Ash of New Jersey recruiting um, was they couldn't really recruit New Jersey well, but also, you know, Harbaugh from Michigan bringing his private jet and Nick Saban and even Urban Meyer, all the Michigan and Ohio State owned the state of New Jersey when Ruck, uh, now Shiano's taking it back, uh, right. taking what's his. But with, uh, uh, with, Air, with Air Force Chop. Exactly. He got his own private exactly. jet. Exactly. Exactly, he did. Uh, Chris Ash just had a helicopter, and he couldn't really. He just go up and down ninety five. Shmi, do you remember like those two weeks when 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 Rutgers was seriously considering not hiring Shiano because he wanted that was a like jet? the right after Thanksgiving, like yeah. that was like first like end last week in November. Yep, it was. I remember that. I remember by Thanksgiving, people thought he wasn't coming. I didn't think he was coming. I Me thought, neither. I thought Rutgers was going to be cheap. I mean, I've seen Rutgers be cheap in a million other aspects. Like, go here, I see it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it even has its own designated I've at, name. I, I've like, eaten at Brower. That's all I have to say. I've eaten at Brower. Okay. Don't eat the seafood I, there. Don't I eat anything there. Yet, so <laughs> eat your hand. You again, I've had, I've had Cafe West and Kilmer's. Only Cafe West, this, Kilmer's. You're doing yourself a solid. Those are those two are like, viable, those very are like, good options. Those are like S tier locations at. at Rutgers, oh yeah. I'm not those lie. are cornerstones of gourmet Rutgers cuisine. Um, but it, 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 this is going to be interesting um, with the NCAA. It's also. Um, you know, the NCAA, they had uh, tabled formal NIL legislation since January. 
Um, so right now, it seems like the NCAA lacks direction with this, and we've seen the NCAA how they've done this before. I mean, we've seen we talked about you know how they handled COVID and uh, what they what other teams did, and you can say whatever you want, but um, I think we talked about this in the in the spring, Dylan, how they handled the men's versus the women's basketball tournaments, um, and how they were able to some the men got much more amenities yeah. and facilities, <laughs> better facilities than the one-sided. women's. So there's also yeah. that too. There's a gender gap. There's a gender discrepancy uh, between women's and women's sports, which obviously is supposed to be prevent pro- prohibited under Title IX, but um, they they can you know they've you know a lot of people go under that and uh, dis- disproportionately um, affect funding um, and the the finances that go towards these individual sports. Look, it, it's going to be this is going to be a gradual shift. It's obviously it's great um, that what college athletes can do um, right now. Um, and also it helps college athletes who attend a school in a state without an NIL law that can engage in this type of uh, – without penalty. They can engage in that. Um, uh, all 40 states have at least introduced NIL bills with 10 not having uh, addressed it yet. Um, so if you go to school – let's say you go to University of Delaware and you're like the starting quarterback and you're like basically the Joe Flacco because he went there and he was all that. You can profit off Delaware despite them not having a law. Um, so that's going to be – um, interesting. Um, even Michigan, too. Michigan has not yet addressed it. Michigan, that's a big one. University of Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Central Michigan. There's a lot of um, Division One FBS schools there that ha- as well. Indiana, that's another one I'm looking at right now. And Colorado, those are and Idaho, those have a lot of um, those Division One schools like Colorado with UC Bo- CU Boulder and Colorado State and Indiana, of course, you know about the Big Ten and Indiana is, you know, Indiana and Purdue mm-hmm. um, as well. So this is interesting, and I think that um, it allows that flexibility where for once, and I mean, I don't think this has really happened before, but a private entity like the NCAA can have jurisdiction over the athlete getting NIL instead of the state if they haven't passed state laws, which usually the state trumps all of it. Um, so that's really interesting uh, from that perspective, and I think that's a really good thing that uh, – NCAA President Mark Emmert had said, um, you know, he even said it in a statement today that with the variety of state laws adopted across the country, uh, quote, we will continue also to work with Congress to develop a solution that will provide clarity on the national level. Of course, if you have it on the national level, which it has been introduced in those, um, you know, we saw uh, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker was talking with Gio Baker about this. Um, he was testifying as well as Jordan Bohannon. Um, so of Iowa, who two of them have been leading advocates for this issue, they have really um, been activists in this in this field. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. I think that Congress is the next step. I think once they provide that permanent solution, then there's no more leave, there's no more loopholes. You you have to acknowledge the image and likeness. Um, and the goal of this interim policy is also, like I said before, to give athletes without the, in the states without the NIL laws, like in Michigan, if you're at the University of Michigan. Um, uh, you can now profit off your name and likeness. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, you know, schools are going to have to abide by this now. So it's good they have that um, out right now. It's going to take effect officially tomorrow on July 1st. Um, so it's going to be interesting. But I also want to ask you guys, you know, going down the future, you know, we obviously know the exposure the Big Ten Athletics has in the national stage, the national contracts they have versus, you know, a school like uh, BYU in the Mountain West or a team or Boise State in the Mountain West or even teams um, in the um, in like central like the uh, CAA, like the colonial like in Delaware, Delaware, Boston University, teams like that um, who are better at one sport than none. So what do you guys really think of the differences between, you know, Rutgers and, say, Boston basketball, where they compete, obviously, at different national levels, but at the same time, you know, they're going to be 
they're also all the players are going to want to profit off their name and likeness. How do you think they're going to handle that, especially with you know Rutgers playing on ESPN two, Big Ten Network, like every day, and Boston probably playing on like SNY or NBC Sports like every other month? Well, I I think it's a lot. The player can get a lot out of it. You know, it it depends on who you are, depends on what you mean at that school, it depends on you know how much of a following you have. You know, uh, I'm I'm reading this article I mentioned before from the Athletic and. They mentioned that um, a lot of autograph signings and like camps will probably pop up now. And I mean, we've seen so many scandals over the past 10, 15 Johnny years. Johnny Manziel. That Johnny Manziel yeah, that was, was like the, the first biggest guy one I, I remember. Of. That was one of the first ones, too. Terrell Pryor was, Terrell that was Pryor, one of the reasons he was in Ohio State. Yeah. What about like jerseys? Because they can only print like Kevin Durant, Johnny Manziel jerseys for college once they left. Like, can, well, they, I, can they now print now? It doesn't say that, but I mean,. I, I would think, assume uh, yeah, so. Yeah, because they're making money off their name. I mean, they would have to be compensated then. I think they could yeah, they still would. they could still probably print them without their name and like not pay them. But I mean, at this point, it's it it kind of looks even worse. Because it would be um, their name like and, on a jersey. And, or and a I shirt. think it would be interesting to see like a, a camp too, like sponsored by an athlete. I think that could help with recruiting too. Oh yeah. You know, guys go to the Ole and Fatukasi, you know, camp, and you know that they're yeah. at, they're at high point. They're doing all this and. You know, it's going to make kids want to come here in New Jersey or the Noah Vedral co- Memorial Quarterback Camp. Not that he's, like, dead or anything. No Memorial. That's where you can learn how to throw some really – mess up your footwork and throw some interceptions. Arts, no, that's the Arts at Kowski Camp. That's if you're that's in, it's your champagne, in Urbana Champagne, you can go there at the Arts at Kowski Camp. I'm yeah. sure they – it's free admission from what I've heard. Uh, the, uh, he he might have to pay more you like to get you to, yeah, he, to be honest. I'll take it. More like negative admission at this point. Yeah, he might have to pay. He would have to pay me to get me to lessen my quarterback <laughs> skills to that degree. But I, I think I think there's a lot of opportunity, and I mean there's a lot of opportunity for the bigger schools, obviously. But I think the smaller schools, you know, when 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 people were talking about these laws and people were talking about you know literally paying the players to play which isn't what happened but when people were talking about that you know it was always going to be scaled it was always going to be if you're at a bigger school you're going to make more money and if you're at a smaller school you're going to make less money exactly. and i feel like it's the same way here but ultimately you know some players from like you said from boston university or other places will shine they will you know they're able to use more than just their athletic skill. Oh yeah, it's more of marketing. It's more of presentability. It's like more they could finally tutor people too. If it's you're more like Boston like, or even Harvard. Well, yeah, that too. Like they can get more involved just in general because they're able to be compensated for it. I mean, I think it's a long time coming. The idea of amateurism is is ridiculous. Yeah, it was an it was an idea made in the 1890s that yeah they still followed today for some reason. And I just think, I think it's a uh, I think it's a very very good thing that athletes are finally going to be able to make some money because they have to do a lot um, and, and they deserve financial compensation. Alex, they I want to ask you a question. Um, we talk about this a lot. We've talked about this on the show about the the uh, NIL and the name and likeness. Um, where do you see this You know, down the road in the fall? How do you think some of the ways that student-athletes are going to use it to kind of profit off their name and likeness and uh, market themselves too? I mean, look, it's all free will. And when, and, and when you look at the ability of free will, free will is great. And now that these athletes have this opportunity, whether it's at Rutgers, Penn State, whatever school you want to put in there, I think because they have the opportunity, expect it to – I think it sort of depends, actually, because there are going to be athletes who really want it, want it, want it, and then there are some athletes who, who might be just like, you know what, we'll take it slow, we'll see how it goes. Regardless, you're, you're going to see a lot of people jump on this and, and a, a lot of athletes 
use this opportunity very quickly to actually get profit off of their names. Athletes from all sports across the NCAA, from all divisions across the NCAA, have been waiting for this ruling and this ability and this opportunity for uh, uh, generation after generation after generation. Now that it's finally here, it's taken so long to finally get here, I expect people to start really high with it or even really low with it, again, depending on their preferences. But altogether, expect people to jump on it quickly and expect people what expect people to make a, a decent amount of money off their names so they have finally some freedom, some free will to actually have the ability to profit off their names. Your first question, Jake, I, I, I want to address that quickly. And whether you're playing at Rutgers on ESPN or you're playing at BU or Delaware or whatever on NBCSN, SNY, or you're playing for Al- Alabama State on Al- Alabama pu- Public ra- uh, Radio, whatever it is, D- wh- whatever station it is, whatever program it is, whether it's D1, D3, national television or lo- local TV, whatever it is, I think athletes are just going to be excited and actually, you know, really, really looking forward to this opportunity to actually have some free will and have the free will to actually make a profit off their own name. The NCAA can't can't tell them to, to do this with their money or that with their money or this or that or whatever, whatever. The NCAA now has no hold on them. Athletes for the longest time have been wanting to get this free will. They finally have the free will. It's taken a mighty long time to get it. It's taken a mighty long time to get to this point. But this stop, uh, this stop, this move is just one step forward to to to, to fully getting even more benefits and more free will as an NCAA athlete. This is a great step. It's an awesome step. Again, it's really incredible to see this and really. You know, for for athletes to finally get the free will to actually make a profit off their name, I think this decision is going to convince a lot of people, really a lot of athletes, to go whether or not, you know, if they, if they have the talent for D1, they actually go D1. What I mean by this exactly is that, uh, again, back home here, here on Long Island, I've covered several athletes, I know several athletes who who, who have D1 potential, but they don't go D1, they go D2 or D3 because of the complete commitment to a D1 level. Now that, now, now, look, you still have the commitment, but now that D1 athletes and all athletes of all sorts really can have the ability and the free will to profit off their name, I'm not, I, I would not be surprised if you see more athletes go for the D1 level because not, not only is there the commitment, uh, you, you, you know, so much going into it already. And before, you, you didn't have a chance to actually make some money off your name. Now that you have the commitment and the ability to make profit off your name, you're going to see a lot of more D1 athletes, I think. You're, you're going to see a lot of athletes altogether in, in the NCAA. But when it comes to, to that scenario, I've seen from what, from what I've talked with, with several athletes for several years now, I think you're going to see a jump from uh, – Athletes going from D3 to D1, d- determining whether or not it's worth going to D1 or, wh- or whether, it's, you know, stay at the D- D- D3, live your life, do all that, or go to D1 and, and, and actually have the ability to make some profit off your name. You're going to see more people make profit off their name, and really, you're going to see a big jump of people, whether it's D3, D2, D1, whatever it is, you're, you're seeing athletes finally have the free will opportunity. And the ability for athletes to actually make a profit off their name. Again, I, I said it earlier, 
It's a uh, pioneering move. It's a big step forward. And people like uh, Jill Baker and Cory Booker are seriously responsible for this ruling, for this conversation we're even having right now on the air. So when it comes to uh, what it's going to look like, how people will take advantage of it, and how people are going to utilize this move, they're going to use it in big factions. You're going to see people use this free will opportunity that, that they've been desperately ha wanting for years and years and years. The athletes finally have it, and the athletes are going to be very excited, I think, to realize that, you know what? We're free. We can do this. We, we can actually make money off our own names. We can profit off our own name. We're the generation that did it. So many generations in the past didn't get the opportunity. Let's set this straight. Let's set this right. And let's pave way, pave way a new generation and a new era of college athletics for students where college athletes not, not only can play, but they can profit off their own names at the same time. It, 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 it's a really it, it's a pioneering move. It's really the, the biggest pioneering move, I think, in the 21st century for college athletics. And altogether, you, you have to give credit to two main people, I think. Of course, Geo Baker at Rutgers and Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of The Crew here on WRSU FM New Brunswick. Our favorite, my favorite artist, Kanye West, leads us in to one of my Fire. favorites. Like, great song. Great, great, album. great album. Great album. But leads us into one of my favorite segments, Locks of the Week, the show, the uh, segment, <clears throat> excuse me, where we give you, I'll say financial advice. I'll put it in air quotes at least, but financial advice for you to get your... Uh, sports betting on uh i'm scared to let one of you guys go first i think one of you might take my lock but we're gonna send it over to massapequa to alex carminati alex what is your lock of the week game two stanley cup final tonight but uh lightning uh, uh canadians i almost said the buccaneers oh my golly anyway lightning canadians game two stanley cup final tampa's up one nothing my lock of the night, Tampa takes game two. It was 5-1 last time around this past Monday night. Tampa was up 2-0 at one point. Montreal cut it in half in the second period. Tampa exploded for three more in, in the third. They won 5-1. The Bolts have been unbelievable. They've been on fire. They are the most complete team in hockey. There's no question about it. They're looking to repeat for the second straight year as Stanley Cup champions. They inch one step closer. They will go up 2-0 tonight. My final score is going to be 4-1 this time, Tampa. I think Tampa wins 4-1 tonight. I think they go up 2-0. And we're talking about locks of the week, right? Not, not only does Tampa win tonight, but if they win tonight, which I think will happen, expect a series sweep where Tampa will win the cup on Sunday. 4-0. Tampa goes back-to-back. -back. It's going to be a sweep against Montreal. And the, uh, the Lightning, the most complete team in hockey, expect them to win tonight to go up 2-0. Expect them to win on Sunday at that point, up 3-0 to sweep the go 4-0 to win the cup for the second straight year and to be the first team since the Pittsburgh Penguins to, to win back-to-back -back championships. Well, I think that Tampa is absolutely complete. Um, I think that they're great, but I don't think they sweep them. I mean, Montreal, we saw Montreal uh, put up that fight against Toronto, and, of course, we saw the unfortunate event with John Tavares, Johnny Tavares and uh, 
how he got that contu- the concussion, that contusion uh, on his nose. But, you know, right. Montreal is always, you know, something interesting about Montreal. They, they lost 5-1, to one, but they didn't. They played like it was more of a 5-4 game. I think that, That's true. I, I think that Montreal wins at least one at home, but you're right, and I agree with you. I think Tampa's going to win. I, I think the max of games it'll be is pushing six. But I think that uh, sweep, I wouldn't be surprised with a sweep. I wouldn't be surprised this goes to Game 7. Um, but it's hard to win down in the Bay in MLA Arena. It's very hard. We saw how teams struggle there, like the Islanders, a good group right. of the Islanders, a little bit more veteran leadership, whereas Montreal is a lot more younger. I mean, of course, you got the guys like Corey Perry. But you don't have Max Pacioretty anymore. He's on Vegas, sure. who you just bounced in that um, the um, the semifinal. Uh, but I'm going to go over to soccer for Euro. Euro 2020, I'm still reeling after France lost to Portugal on penalty kicks. Uh, Mbappe Lotin couldn't uh, find the back of the net on that one, which was really tough, his last penalty kick. But um, we got a big one on uh, the third, sun- uh, Saturday at noon. Czech Republic and Denmark. Czech plus 290, book it. Um, I think that this is a really good Czech team that's a lot different than other teams have expected. They shut out the Netherlands 2-0, who's a little bit on the stronger side um, as well. Um, also, Czech Republic, you know, they, they've they surprised people. They they only had four points. They were 1-1-1 one, one, and one in three games, three matches played in their group, which includes England, Croatia, and Scotland. Yet they're advancing a little bit now, beating the Netherlands, who hadn't lost before they lost the Czech Republic. I think that that's going to be key for the Czech. They have a very good dynamic offense. Um, I think that this is going to be a good Denmark team who beat Wales 4-0, but Wales also was not in a good division. They only had Italy to deal with. Uh, Denmark has to deal with Belgium and Finland. So I think that Czech Republic, they got the they, they know how to handle people. They're one one and one and it's they're better than their record is. I mean, they really handled the Netherlands. They held them scoreless, a clean sheet. So I think that Czech Republic, you can book it. Um and I think that's gonna be interesting. But Dylan also Belgium, Italy, I think that's gonna be a really fantastic match. That's going to another extra pen time uh, penalty kick one as well. So those are some two matches I'm keeping my eye on this weekend. What do you know? England beat Germany. France lost that heartbreaking one in a shootout. I tell you, the Euros have been something else, too. It's a shame it didn't happen actually in 2020. Right. But I think, but I think the Euro 2020 is doing better in 2021. Right it now. is. I'll just say and that. You have a lot more fans there, too. I mean, you're watching Absolutely. Premier League action in the oh. fall. There's nobody there in the fall. Nobody. They closed off all the bleachers. Although, I have yeah. to say, putting Ukraine versus Sweden in Glasgow... Yeah, makes zero in sense. like Scot in uh, zero in, sense. in uh, Ireland in oh I think that's Scotland Scotland. Yeah. Scotland right 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 Dublin is Ireland yeah that's, Dublin is Ireland that's so weird like that's they have them in like their neutral sites neutral sites because they couldn't find any they couldn't find a city that would bid on these Euros so they were like oh we're just gonna, it's gonna be an all of Europe event. Uh-huh. And all those European countries are still reeling from COVID, or some of, of them course, are a lot course. better. Like France is doing a lot better, but then England had that new variant, that Delta variant that came in or something. I remember seeing it on right. the news, but um, it, it, they're fun to watch and obviously a precursor to the World Cup. World Cup coming up, I think, next year. There's all those, so there's some yep. backlash about being playing in 120 degree heat in Qatar in the desert. So. This is what, oh it, my God. We'll what, say. It, what it feels like today outside for us is what it's going to feel like for them. Every day. Yeah, multiply that but by five, and I that's digress. gonna be what they're feeling. Five, multiply that by twenty. Yeah, it's gonna Very, feel like you're uh, playing in the desert, like kicking sand around. It's gonna be horrible. I don't need. That's gonna be interesting. I mean, I, I've heard they wanted to get a change of venue because you know Qatar has been flip flopping on it when they initially bid it, bid it on it. I mean, it make more sense if it was in like spring when it's even then it's like 70, 80 degrees there. They're the very, is, very hot anywhere. climate. 
anywhere in the Middle East is going to be like that, to be honest with you. You know yeah. what I mean? So, I mean, I mean, may, may, maybe because of the marketing, maybe because of the financial benefit. Oh, the I financial benefit is the big, the big reason. Oh, yeah. absolutely. But, uh, but, but, but also at, at the same time, you want the same health and well-being of the players. True. Especially when we're dealing with this COVID-19. They have to make right am- amenities, too, for the players because um, it's going to be interesting. Because um, I know the qualifiers, they have started the qualifiers and everything, and um, there's uh, you know there's there's stuff out that came out today. I remember just a little off topic about uh, the Danish minister saying that Qatar getting the World Cup was wrong. Um, the Denmark culture minister criticized FIFA's bid process for this because they were awarded one in 2010 when it was in South Africa um, as well. Um, but then there was some sparked corruption investigations into the entire bidding process, and evidence was not found by FIFA to warrant stripping Qatar of the hosting rights. So it's really been a whole mess. Evidence was not found by FIFA. By FIFA on their own they committed exactly. corruption. Their own of course their own According counsel did FIFA, that. According to FIFA, they did not commit corruption. FIFA's counsel has always, their legal counsel has always been horrible. It's always I mean, they've always swept stuff under the rug. If I was investigating myself for anything, I would just say I didn't There's do it. so much corruption in FIFA. It's what? ridiculous. It's, oh, it's uh, absolutely. international governing very, body. Yeah. Speaking of international, very international locks of the week. We've had Canada, we've had the Den- we've had Denmark, we've had the Czech Republic, you mentioned Italy. I'm going to bring it back to the states. Uh for Game Six tonight of the Western Conference Finals, Phoenix. Keep forgetting it. Is it really Game Six? It wow. is Game Six. Phoenix. Suns and four. Suns and four. Suns and four. Uh, <laughs> how I felt like a genius a week ago. Um, but I digress. <laughs> Phoenix is traveling to Los Angeles tonight. Uh, if they win, they're in the NBA Finals. Uh, the money line is pretty much even. The spread is only a point and a half. Uh, I think Phoenix is going to bear down. I think they are going to win this game. Yep. Chris Paul is going to go to his first NBA final. The money line is at minus 116. If you really want to take the spread, it's minus one and a half at minus 108. But at that point, I think the money line is just more value. So, Kawhi's out tonight? Excuse me? Kawhi's out tonight? I believe so. I, I haven't heard anything that he isn't out. So, But I have Shams and Woj on tweet notifications. So if that happens, I will interrupt the show very loudly to let everyone know. Okay, um, that's fair enough. <laughs> that that's a breaking news story enough. I I don't. The one was like Oladipo getting traded, and that just wasn't a news story. But you know, I digress. But with that, can we just talk? Can we just talk? We're back here on the Wednesday edition of WRS Recruit. Dylan McCoy, joined by Jake Schmid, Alex Carminati. And, uh, yeah, there's no way to sugarcoat it. This Can We Just Talk is going to be about horrible, horrible people. Okay. This summer, and we're diving into a little bit of a, not a dark topic, but not not something that we, not a lighthearted topic, so. Not lighthearted. Not at all. all. Uh, So, first of all, if you didn't see in the news, uh, Bill Cosby is not in prison anymore because yeah. reasons uh, that is something. something about a plea deal that wasn't followed through i don't know but a little ridiculous it's a uh, joke. he had like i i don't remember the amount of women who who talked about it but it was it was it was a lot it was a lot it was it was a lot it was, and it was it, it, it was at least 40 oh my goodness yeah, yeah and he was well yeah to, to give you the Obviously, we all know what happened with him, but you know he was sentenced in 2018, obviously to 10 years 
for that state prison for drugging and sexually assaulting um, this woman at her home, which was 14 years prior to uh, 2018. Um, really horrible stuff um, as well. And it's very disappointing. Very, very. It's just really hard to see this because um, what he did, the magnitude of what he did, and he was in prison for 10 years. Um, they're saying he was released from uh, the PA uh, prison after the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania vacated his 2018 conviction on sexual assault charges um, and uh, sentence um, as well. So um, it's just really it's interesting. And um, the Cosby attorney is saying that we've said from day one that we just didn't think he was treated fairly, um, you know, but when you have those charges against you and, um, you know, it's it's really just sad and you know especially we talk about the me too movement and we talk about um all of this um he's also free on a procedural issue quote uh, irrelevant to the facts of the crime the attorney who prosecuted him says so that's what he's free on uh, a procedural issue um which is interesting um to hear about this, the magnitude of his crimes again it's very you know it's it's hard and it's um it's really difficult um, so this is something, you know, very, you know, one of the most, you know, famous comedian actor and, uh, he had this amazing, you know, career and, um, he was what he did with the Cosby show and in the eighties. And then he, um, in the mid 2010s, that's really, he had that stated that, um, he, uh, numerous women made accusations. Well, it was over 60 women that have accused him, um, of all those charges, all of which he denied, of course. Um, and then what is interesting is there's a statute of limitations for this stuff, and that had, by the mid-2010s, expired in nearly all the cases. Um, but it's, you know, it's it, it, those women's stories obviously still need to be heard and still need to be accounted for uh, when looking back at this decision now. But it's, it's really tough and procedural. I mean, that's kind of, um, that's all the very, very vague reasoning they gave the PA uh, Supreme Court. Absolutely. Look, it, it's it's a really horrible situation. Obviously, it's 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 again we talk about this a bit too much, but every time we do, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about, you know. But you know, it th- this is what happened. Of course, today again, we started off with some positive news, but now you know, this is a really, really sort 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 of disappointing type of type type of news story, in a way. And to be honest with you, again, I'm not comparing it, but what I'm about to say is that when it comes to Deshaun Watson's case, right? And look, I'm getting off topic, but but my point is, is that, look, he's got 22 accusers or whatever it is. If Deshaun Watson possibly gets off or a plea deal as well, and again, due process is still doing his case, but when you have 22 people, he seems pretty guilty. But the point is, is that, don't be surprised if we see the same result with the Sean Watson's case, possibly as well. Again, it could be a bit different. Um, the circumstances are different, completely different. The, the, the amount of people involved are also completely different. Also, this was several years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it is. This is happening uh, to Sean Watson more recently. I just think it's an awful precedent. And, and again, I, I'm not comparing it. What I'm saying is that this could be a precedent for that possible case. Yes and no. Again, we'll see what happens, of course. But sadly, we see this conversation happen over and over and over and over again, and we have the same result with no changes. So my point is, is again, don't be again. I'm not comparing it, but don't be shocked if a possible similar result happens regarding Deshaun Watson as well. Yeah. 
Um, definitely agree with the first thing you said. We maybe talk about this too much. What's hap- It happens too much. <laughs> no, of course. It happens too of much. Of course. Um, of course. So we went over horrible person one, and I'd say two when with Deshaun Watson. So that moves us on to, and 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 you know what? I don't care if these people are not guilty. I believe survivors. So. I am going to say that these people are bad people. There's a lot of people that came yeah, forward for each of them, uh, too. Large numbers. It's a lot of people. All right. On to horrible person number three, uh, Jared Porter. Jared Porter has been placed on the ineligible list. He was the general manager of the New York Mets. Yeah, he joins um, Mickey Calloway, the former coach. That was like earlier this year. That's a horrible person number four, An- Mickey Another Calloway. one. Um, person number four. But uh, Porter is going to be on the ineligible list until at least the end of the 2022 season. Um, then he's eligible for reinstatement. Uh, of course. Are you kidding? He was fired. Yeah, by just the, like Mickey Calloway, he's eligible for reinstatement. He was fired too. by the Mets in January um, following reports and confirmed reports that he sent um, te- explicit text messages to a female reporter while working with the Chicago Cubs in 2016. Uh, yeah. Manfred basically said, Mr. Porter violated the policies. Placement on the ineligible list is warranted. Um, you know, I, I don't see him being eligible again. And even if he does, I mean, you know, let, let's, 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 let's shift away from what, what he did for a minute. Like, it's awful. But right. taking a guy on like that, like, there's, there's no team that can afford – all that bad publicity and bad press and maybe loss of tickets that comes from hiring a guy like this. So even yeah. if he gets reinstated, I mean, they're, they're, they're completely different things, but it's kind of like the guys who, uh, uh, like the front office of Houston who was fired and yeah. who was banned, you know, it, it, it's, it's two very different issues, but at the same time, it's, you know, do you really want these guys, you know, for what they can provide in baseball? Is it worth it? You know, with all the bad press and the bad media, you know this guy actually committed a crime. So that's horrible. Um, well, well, yeah, well, and the Mets also fired him like just five weeks after hiring him as a club's new GM. They fired him back yes. at the end of last year, and it did. Um, that shows you right there. That was also, you know, the new ownership was already in effect there. Steve Cohen already had the majority stake and that bought is, the team from the Wilpons. That so. is the second time that Steve Cohen had to fire someone just. Weeks after hiring them, he did the same yeah. thing to Beltron. Yeah, he did. And now you have Zach Scott as the GM, yep. uh, who's done a fine job so far. But, um, you know, it's really, it's, it's Steve Cohen has addressed the culture's issue. And he's actually been, he's doing, I think he's doing, I remember seeing on Twitter, he was tweeting about how he was going to look into like the HR um, practices and he was going to look into, you know, the, the, whatever, not just the criteria they handed, and not just the background check, but um, all of that was going to be like redefined and redeveloped and retooled. And I think that that's a great idea. And I think a lot of clubs are probably going to follow that, what Steve Cohen was saying, because he has all that authority. He has all the power. So he can do those internal things that you might not hear about, but that can factor into decisions that can prevent these people from being hired. Look, they didn't, you know, they, they learned about this later, but if, um, so they can get more, use more of the resources to find out more about their background. I think that that's an excellent thing that he's been um, doing because um, he sent really, you know, explicit images to when he's working with the Cubs. And, you know, sure. doesn't matter if you do that and, and in, uh, in your and the Cubs, if you're in another, if even if you're in a college, a Triple A team or a minor league or college baseball team, doesn't matter. It's still going to follow you, your career moves uh, through your career trajectory. So it's it's definitely um, good that they're doing that. I mean, Dylan, you're right. He's got a lot of baggage. No team's going to want that baggage. It's going to plummet ticket sales. It's also going to you know 
people aren't going to want to work with somebody. It's like a regular workplace culture. You want to work with somebody who has those, you know, who's been sending explicit photographs um, to yeah. unwanted too. You don't, you don't want somebody oh, like course. that. That they don't, they don't commit. You know, the every team's values are all the same. They want good, hardworking, honest, you know, employees for any business you want. Um, so they don't want like you know they don't want con men. They don't want people who are um, going to take advantage of female uh, employees. And I think that that's a good. Um, it's a good motion to not, you know, not just the teams to look better in our hiring practice, but also to the people who are in baseball. You know, maybe people, women who haven't come out forward, you know, they're not being punished as nor should they um, for getting their stories out. And that's what they did um, with the reporter, then also with Mickey Calloway. And we know his situation. Um, so it's really interesting. And I think that. You know, I don't know if Deshaun Watson, it depends on what the trial is, but um, I mean, it is civil. It's not a criminal case. So uh, un- we'll get to Bauer later, but unlike his case is different. I believe it's going to be more criminal side than civil. So it's uh, it's going to be a lot more uh, heavy, tr- heavy trial with uh, Bauer, which we'll talk about probably in the second hour. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a very it's good that they're putting the crackdown and they're they're blocking these people from. Uh, trying to have it up because if you're in the MLB, there's a thousand other people that want that front office job, and there are then most of them uh, probably wouldn't really have a problem undergoing a background check, and that's you know, and you're um, put those people who are probably better suited for it and know what they're doing and know how to handle themselves, not on the job. More importantly, um, than trying to use their power um, to sexualize women too. Look, out of all we've talked about. There's one name I want to bring up, Rob Manfred. Yeah. Jake, you mentioned him earlier, right? The MLB has been and 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 look, PEDs is is, is a whole another problem, and 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 the way they address it, I agree with it. But they're harsher on PED, PEDs and suspending players based off PED su- substance violations, drug violations, more than they are re- regarding these 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 situations. There should be a change about that. I mean, it's it's not that hard to make the change. Number one, but number two, with any big scandal, so, you know, sadly these scandals or even the Astros scandal, Rob Manfred does not have the gall to lay the law down. That's why Rob Manfred, I think personally, need, needs to go. Number one, but number two, you need someone who's going to lay down the law, whether it's baseball, football, whatever. You have to have a commissioner for every sport, especially in these certain circumstances. The commissioner has to have the gall to lay down the law, tone down the line, and actually make people pay for such horrible instances and actual things that harass people, hurt people, destroy people, and really you know, bring up such conversations like these ones. So Rob Manfred... I'm, call, I'm, I'm talking to Rob Manfred right now, and this is all, all, all in seriousness. You have to be harsher on things, especially regarding things like this. And if you're so harsh, harsh on PED violations, why are you not so harsh on these you know, assault issues as well? You have to – there can't be one tone here and a second tone uh, uh, on the other side. You have to be consistent on all issues. And really, if if you're gonna lay down the law and ban players after three violations of PEDs, and look, that that's not just Manfred. That's always been baseball. But Rob Manfred has a chance to fix something about this. He's not done that. He, we 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 saw the whole Astros thing. It was a joke. It was an absolute joke what he did with the Astros scandal. But 
whether it's PEDs, whether it's whether it's a scandal like the Astros, wh whether it's assault like these allegations and uh, situations as well, you have to be consistent on each issue and you have to lay down the law on each issue. If you know, if we see this time and time again, if you're banning someone for life for 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 for, for violating PED rules three times, you're banning them for life after the third strike. Why are you not banning the person for assault the first time or the second time or the third time or whatever it is? You have to be consistent on each issue and you have to lay down the law on each issue. Lay down the law, lay down the tone and actually have the goal to do something about it. Very, very uh, thoughtful there, Alex. Um, you know, just before we go to break, um, you know, would, would just like to reiterate that this is 0.01% of the athletes out there. Oh, of course. Most of athletes course. are normal people. Oh, they're who, great guys. You know, great guys and gals. make some money and they're still the same person. But, you know, we see it in sports. We see it in music. We see it in government. You know, some people cannot handle a large amount of money and a large amount of power. And, you yep. know, this is what we've seen from guys like Deshaun Watson. We've seen guys like Trevor Bauer, Mickey Calloway, um, Jared Bill Porter. Cosby. You know, they just sometimes it just takes over. Um, right. And yeah. I think that, you know, clearly something needs to be done. But, you know, people like this should just not be involved in sports because they bring sports down for uh, for everyone I agree. else and they make us look bad. But I agree. after that minor uh, speech, I guess I could say we are going to go to a commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back with the second hour of the Wednesday crew here on WRSU FM, New Brunswick. Tune in on Tuesday nights for your dose of groove on In the Groove with me, your host, Dante Intendola. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. live on 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. WRSU is your home for Rutgers baseball. Catch every home game live from Baton Field as head coach Steve Owens and the Scarlet Knights look to push forward in Big Ten action. Catch it all only on WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Your home for Rutgers football, basketball, soccer, wrestling, baseball, and lacrosse. This is WRSU-FM New Brunswick. 